Drumming is a universal language. Everyone can and does create rhythm. You don't need a drum kit. You don't even need sticks. It can be your hands on your legs, clicking your tongue inside your mouth, wooden spoons on pots and pans, footsteps. It's the musical equivalent of jumpers for goalposts. This is Flashbang Wallet, The Interviews. Hello, and welcome to episode two of Flashbang Wallop, The Interviews. I'm Chris Payne, and this week I am chatting to drumming legend Clem Catini. Now, Clem Catini might not be the household name that he deserves to be, but you'll have heard him drumming on countless tunes with bands such as T-Rex, The Kinks, with Tom Jones... He's been on over 40 number one hit singles in the UK. And in this chat, I talked to him about the life of a session drummer in the 60s and 70s, about his work with Lou Reed and T-Rex and Cliff Richard and numerous other bands. He was a founding member of the Tornadoes and he had his first number one hit single with... Shaken All Over with Johnny Kidd and the Pirates. So his career has spanned, well, 60, 65 years. Um, and, well, I'll let the interview speak for itself. Here is Clem Catini. So, can you remember the first time, not not the first time you hit a drum kit, but the first time you hit something and made a sound and thought, this is uh, Well, I suppose I'd better give you the, 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 the story of how and why I started. Yeah. I mean, like, I had uh, three mates, uh, funnily enough, I still see one of them quite regularly. I mean, I've known since 1957, this is. Yeah. Uh, they, used to, a little, they used to have a little jazz trio, two guitars, bass and drums. Mm. And uh, we went to see Rock, went to see the Jack Black Ball Jungle. Right. Oh yeah, yeah. The, um, we're in semi-plotty. The, yeah, yeah, that's it. You know, that was where rock around the clock came from. Yeah. And we came out of the theatre, the cinema, and my mate said, uh, "What they said? Oh, let's form a rock and roll group. They're both guitar players, you know." So I went, "Yeah, okay. What do I play?" I said, "You play drums." So I did. But again, you know, that was it. That's how I started. Yeah. And then I worked for my dad in a cafe. Mm. And I owned a cafe. And all I did, I used to drive everybody mad. I used to get. I used to tap on the till, not with it, you know, the old-fashioned till, not like yeah. that one there, which, you know, you press the buttons and up it comes. and uh, Yeah. And I used to sit there all day just doing that on the till and driving everybody mad. And I used to get told off left, right and centre oh. from the, the rest of the staff, can you pack that bloody noise up, you know, this yeah, is... Yeah. And, and then uh, I got sort of, I decided, I bought a practice pad. Just going back to that, what was the what, what kind of shop was it that you? It was were a working? restaurant, restaurant, restaurant okay. cafe, yeah, yeah. 
they had a restaurant and I was, I was used to tip on the till and yeah. drive everybody mad you know when you when the, the customers coming in oh yeah. you're still tapping again and I, but I mean I just did to because I used to up we used to live above the restaurant and in my break like the dinner break I used to go upstairs and, and get the, uh, the practice pad out and just practice to yeah. the body rich drum shooter that's how I started then I'd go downstairs working serving tea and, and cakes and briskets and and sandwiches and meals yeah. and all that and tapping on the till. So it was a proper kind of English cafe. Oh yeah, yes, yeah, oh, yes, yeah, yeah. It was a proper cafe, cafe restaurant. Yeah. 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 And uh, that's really it's and just to drive everybody mad, <laughs> as you do, you know. And so what is the what did the practice pad look like? Was that a it's around around just a practice pad? It's just like, yeah, it's normally all the practice pad. I don't know if you've ever seen one of it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it was. It was it was very basic in those days. I mean, now I'm going back to 1957 because mm. I never had a lesson in my life. Really? No, 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 none at all. Only once did I have a lesson was, uh, or I had reading lessons mm -hmm. when I started doing sessions. When I first started doing sessions, I used to just do what you want, you know, give me a, just give me the sheet music, you mm -hmm. know, the, 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 the words and the thing and the, and the chords, you know, that's all yeah. they gave me a chord sheet. Yeah. And I used to sort of just follow along with that. And, and use then, that as a bit of a roadmap. Well, just a roadmap, correct, yeah. And sort of to know when to stop and start. And then it got, I started getting, a, I suppose, touched with a bit of a reputation. Mm. And I started getting asked to do sessions when suddenly they're throwing music at me and I'm going, what's this? Yeah. You know, and I got to in a situation with one session, I, they gave me a part and it was in 9-8. No, you know, nine eight. I hadn't got a clue what four four was. Remember at nine eight. Yeah. And I, I botched it completely. You know. Yeah. And uh, I suddenly thought, well, I've either going to throw my drums in the river, or uh, <laughs> I've got to get lessons. And I've got a mate of mine, Andy White. I don't know if you've heard of Andy. He was a, the guy that played on the Beatles' original records, the drummer. Okay. And uh, he, he was a great reader, Andy. And in yeah. fact, he was fun enough. Him and another guy who was Scottish. Uh, Pipe uh, band champions. Oh, really? Yeah. And Andy, I went to him for lessons. That's the only lessons I ever had. Right. I mean, I had no lessons at all. There was nobody about at that that time when I started. You know. Well, I suppose with the with the pipe band, there's a lot of the rudiments going there. Oh, the, absolutely. Yeah. Because you know. I mean, that was the first time I saw a practice yeah. pad. Because yeah. I'm I'm from um, the Scottish Borders, and there's a big pipe band pipe band yes. tradition there. And I think I went once. And I, 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 I was expecting drumming lessons, and yeah. I didn't expect that it would be this kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, it's unbelievable. I mean, the techniques and mm. the rudiments of that, and that's where that. But I mean, Andy basically, he started teaching me a little bit. I didn't even know what, I, you know, I, I knew what a paradiddle and thing were. Yeah. Because I did in the Buddy Rich drum tutor. Yeah. Because that's all I used to sit in practice to that. You know, I didn't know mm. any better. I mean, I had no sort of. Whether I was doing it right, whether I was doing it wrong, I ain't got a clue. Yeah. You know, and I just, uh, I say I got the state where I thought I better throw the drums away or get reading lessons, which I did. Yeah. And then gradually, you know, doing more sessions and more sessions, I, I started to read reasonably well. I'm not a great reader by any stretch of imagination. Mm. A lot of the time it was ill. I mean, one, uh, one session I did with George Martin. And I was doing a bass drum, which is a rock, an ordinary rock and roll bass drum figure. 
Mm. What we used to do all the time, but 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 and I'll do it. And they went, drum up, keep that in. That's great. But it wasn't written. I was just playing it. You know, that's yeah. That's sort of how it all started. So um, can so when when the band started off then, so there was there was oh, you yeah, and two guitarists. Yeah, two guitar players, and and we had a TTS bass. <coughs> you know, really, the teacher yeah. and uh, the the the, uh, <laughs> the the broomstick. Yeah. And then with the wire and boom and. That's how we started. So was that was this kind of round about the start of Skiffle? Yeah, it, yeah. This was well, yeah, just after Skiffle had started. Right. This was what when it transcended, if you like, from Skiffle to rock and roll. Yeah. You know, and then it, uh, and then we eventually, well, we we did the first thing we did. We did a pub in Peckham. Mm -hmm. was, I was on I was on kit washboard, as well. Yeah. And then uh, I had this sort of basic drum kit. I mean, the, the bass drums up here. You know, I used to look over the top of it with a big palm oh, tree on the front of all that. Wow. And I think it cost me, the whole kit cost me about 20 quid of bits and pieces that I'd, I'd bought, you know, yeah, a snare drum. Just cobbled and, together. And cobbled, it was well cobbled. Yeah. And then uh, we then, we, we started doing this, this pub in Peckham. And we then the bass player, what well, the bass player, I said, the teacher's bass player, decided... He, he didn't want to do it anymore, so we got a proper bass player in. Yeah. What big double bass, you know, the tree as we used to call it. And uh, then we suddenly uh, got an invitation from the Two Eyes uh, thing that was from a rock coffee bar right. in London. Okay. And uh, to play down there, and I started. I was there with uh, Brian Bennett, the Shadows. Right. We were both the house drummers, and uh, that's when I really started sort of playing proper kit. And what was what was this band called then? Uh, it was Terry Kennedy's Rock and Rollers. Right. Then we got a gig to do a tour with Max Wall. Excellent. Which we did and it was because he did a Bill Haley skit with the kiss curl and the, the tartan jacket yeah, in the yeah. show and we backed him on that and we did our own spot in there as well. We did a rock and roll spot. So it was a, it was a real kind of variety show. Oh, always the old yeah, the old fashioned variety, you know, like everything had the, the comedians and the the the, the one what the the uh, cycle thing, you know, unicycle yeah. lot and all and that. Then and the, the ventriloquist and, and the, yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah, the usual. It was a real variety show. Proper night out. Yeah, oh, it was great, Max. Though it was really really good, and um, then from there we transgressed to a guy called Terry Dean. That rings a bell. Yeah, he was very big in the, in the late 50s. He, he went to stay, they tried to get him into the army because Presley had gone in the army. He was massive in England. Yeah. And uh, it didn't work out for him, you know, he should never have gone in the army, mm. unfortunately for him. And that sort of the, uh, the band was asked, would we go as his, as his band, which is called the, the Dean Aces, which we did. Yeah. And then from there, I sort of uh, well, I've did all sorts of little things after that. I did a few things with uh, uh, what's his name, um, Chaz McDavid. Uh, and then we got, I got asked to uh, with Johnny Kidd. Wow, and the Pirates. Yeah, well, it's, no, first of all, I went to with before that, I went to a guy Larry Parnes. I did the big beach, big beach shows. You know, with, with Billy Fury, Marty Wilde, Johnny Gentle, Duffy Power, yeah. uh, all that lot. You know, we were. I mean, it was, it was like a, a, a it was like a. Uh, <laughs> we used to 
get him off the wall so it's your turn to be a star and put him on, on stage you know yes. <laughs> they, wasn't it <laughs> and uh, that sort of uh, I, we did that I was with Billy Fury and, as, as his band called the Beat Boys yeah and then uh, we had a, a bust up with Larry Palms which wasn't unusual at the time <laughs> and uh, I got a call from this guy said there's a guy in Wilson called Johnny Kidd looking for a drummer are you interested he says yeah alright so I went, went I'd come over and play with the band which I did and mm. I joined the Pirates wow and when I had my very first number one was shaking all over First time I ever went in the studio. Wow. For, that was the first? First number one and first recording session I ever did. So after that you had a 100% record after the yeah, first one. Yeah, yeah. Amazing. So from there it sort of developed. I went, uh, I went from there, uh, from Johnny Kidd. We left Johnny Kidd, which I didn't want to, because uh, to go to Italy with Colin Hicks, Thomas Steele's brother. Right, okay. And. Um, uh, it was the worst, I think, three months of my life that was. Why was that? Oh, he was dreadful to work with. Really? Oh, awful. Anyway, yeah, you know, it was, it was a bit of a... I mean, was nearly as bad as his brother, believe me. Well, right? I was, I was going to say, I've heard a few, <laughs> a few stories <laughs> about exactly. Tommy Steele. Not, not to a unlike each other, believe me. Yeah. Oh dear. Right, so you were happy to get out of that gig? Yeah, then we ca I came back from there, I had no work, and next thing I was one of the tornadoes. And I got uh, Alan Caddy, the, the guitar player, called me up, he was with us in in, uh, in Italy with Colin Hicks, and he said, I'm going to go and do this audition for the local called Joe Meek. Yeah. He said, like, would you want to come, come with me? I, I, I don't know, you know, come come with me, give it a bit of, sort of moral support, so I went with him. Yeah. And he said to Joe, could my mate play drums while I play the guitar? And then he played a couple of numbers, which bit Joe a guitar and drum sounded really great. Great. Anyway, we uh, at the end of it, Alan done his numbers, and Joe said uh, to Alan, you've got the job, you're a very good guitar player, which he was, and said, what about you, mate, does he want a job? And that was it. That was the start of the tornadoes. So up until then, you'd 
started to get a bit of a, a, a name for yourself just in yeah, terms of being able Johnny, to Sue adapt. Johnny Kid, yeah, Sue yeah. Johnny Kid. I've got to be known as a, a reasonably good rock and roller, I suppose, you know. And what what would you put that down to? Was it the way that you were able to adapt or was it you had a, a, a very I, definite I, style I already? I don't know, no. I, I think my influence, funny enough, because my mother used to love Latin American music. Right. I mean, I know it was only, she used to, we had the radio on every time he's come back from school at night time. There was no television in those days. Mm. You know, I'm going back a long time. And uh, I think, because Edmundo Ross played Latin. Mm. And Latin is the basis of rock and roll. Yeah. Because it's all a straight eight and everything, you know. It's, and I think I just, I got a feel from that, you know. I mean, I, I suppose I've been told I had a great feel, so feel for the music. I was never a great, believe me, I was, I was no way ever an Olympic drummer, you know, like some of the guys now, I mean, if mm. 100 miles an hour around the kit and all that, you know, and technique everywhere. I, I just, it comes back to feel though, doesn't it? Well, yeah, I mean, I've, my advice when kids ask me, what do you, is play the song. You know, that's important. Don't matter what, how much technique you've got, but mm. what you can do and what you can't do. I remember um, uh, the Austrian drummer, what's his name? Um, Lang. Who? Lang. Lake, Thomas Lang. Right. Yeah, I mean, fantastic <coughs> technician. I mean, where would I have heard him? He's very, very well known. Uh, well, drummers know of him. Yeah. He's Austrian, and he plays the drums like a drum machine. He has the he has the cowbells. He has the, the wood blocks. He has everything, and all his I mean, his technique is sensational. Wow. I mean, it's it's it was. I mean, people know. I mean, people, drum people know about you know mm. Thomas Lane. Yeah. And I always remember his words. I we did, he did a uh, <coughs> a thing. Uh, uh, what I suppose an exhibition really. Yeah, yeah. I suppose you could call it that. And the um, the end of it, he turned around and said, "If I play like that on a gig, I get the I get the sack," which is what we're going back to, you know. Yeah. Oh, and I just played basic rock and roll. You know, I didn't know any. I didn't know any different. Yeah, that's what I. You know, that's what I was was into. I was. That's. I mean, played down the two eyes and all the sort of like the rock and rollers that used to come down there. Mm. I suppose I got a technique for playing rock and roll. And that's really you know, the basis. Yeah. Then, then the tornadoes happened. That wasn't the greatest period of my life either. But never mind. Really? <laughs> nah, it was. Uh, I mean, I shouldn't say it really, should I? musically I wasn't enamoured with it, you know. Mm. And then I sort of left the tornado because I'd had enough. And I went down Denmark Street and sat in the cafe and people had come in from the music publishers. Are you, are you free? Yeah. Can you come and do a demo for me? I should go and get six quid to do a demo. Mm. And then suddenly I got calls. Did you play the demo on such a such a song? I went, yeah. Well, could you come and do the master? And that's how I ended up in the session scene. And was was that common f in the session scene for lots of different types of musicians as well? So would there be, or was it? Well, no, because I'm not really. I was, I was, oh, I wouldn't say I was unique, but the, the difference was, well, my peers, they were all basically they were big band players. Right. You know, the Ronnie Verrills, the Kenny Clears, and the people like that. Mm. Well, they were all big band players. And I, I was a rock and roller, you know, as simple as that. Yeah. And that's why I started getting uh, getting calls. And Andy White, they were all basic uh, rock and roll, uh, big band players. Yeah. 
and then that that kind of started to dry up a bit. In, in, I suppose later, latterly, oh, just yeah, in, t- yeah. in terms of um, you know not being hired for. Uh, radio shows that no, the no, budgets no. went down and that's right yeah well, and then I mean then I started to get I mean I got I got things that I, I wasn't sure if I could cope with I mean I got television shows I got radio shows I got live shows I was different people mm. which I didn't think I could cope with but because of my technique which I didn't particularly you know I wasn't particularly a great technician I didn't think I could cope with but I fortunately touched what I did you know mm. and so um, you Ended up getting. No, I mean, do you, do you bristle at being called a session drummer, or do you? No, I'm just. A, I'm a, no, I'm a basically. I'm a musical navvy. <laughs> that's that's simple as that. You know, so yeah. I made digging holes. I made records. You know, that's, yeah. I mean, you know, it's a funny thing with people say, "What do you think of this drummer? What do you think of that?" that every guy has got his own forte. Mm. You know, I mean, I. I've learnt things off. I remember one thing. I learnt something off a kid. You no, know, just only had a kit about two weeks, and he played something, and I went, "Oh, and what's that?" And I copied it, you know. And it was so good what he was doing. He didn't know what he was doing. The same as me. Yeah. I didn't know what I was doing, you know. That's when I started. Yeah. And that's really how you. I thought. Well, I suppose I developed, but I wasn't. Uh, I wasn't. I don't know. I don't. I, all. All I was hoping that I could do the job. Yeah. Whatever they wanted to call me was I did them. I'm I'm not I'm proud to be doing rock and roll drummer, you know. Yeah. Absolutely. To be honest, you know. I'm, yeah. Absolutely. You know, it's, it hasn't worked out too bad. No, know? absolutely, absolutely. Um, so, um, from sitting in that calf and then you're right to come in for this demo and then actually yeah. can you do the master. So then, you kind of became the kind of go-to guy for. Well, evidently, yeah, well, uh, yeah, I didn't realise that at the time, you know, I just got... Well, you just thought, caught up in it and just I go just right, caught, job to job well, yeah, to job. Yeah, I mean, that was it, you know, you do this studio in one morning, like the afternoon, then the evening, and then the next day the same thing, and I ended up with two kits, Yeah. and I had a roadie, because he used to set up in one one studio, like I would say, I was at EMI in the morning, or Abbey Road, as they call it now, Yeah. and then the afternoon I'd be at Decker, he'd take my second kit to Decker, <laughs> And then I go there, and then you pick my kit up from here, and I take it to Pi in the evening. Yeah. So that's how it sort of, you know. But I, was, I didn't realise that, that I was that busy. Yeah. To be honest, you know, I thought everybody was. I, I suppose, I presume everybody was. It was. I mean, it was a good time. Yeah. Then the session scene. So I'm, I'm guessing that um, each session was completely different, or was there? Oh, absolutely. A... Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Without and a doubt. So were, were some more. You must do this. This is what we want. Or we're some see what you can do with this. Yeah, or? I was lucky in a way because of the of, of the the, sort of the newness of the of the rock and roll scene. Mm. The newness of I mean, they didn't know how to write rock and roll. You know, and it was like I mean, I literally I've been in doing jingles, you know, television jingles, and the guys give me a give me a, a bit like the, the not the music, just give me a like play four bars and top for two start another four bars and stop for yeah. and I was getting saying I believe it to you you know what to do better than we do you know that's how it started yeah but then suddenly the the musical directors suddenly got it and they, they started to write what I was playing and giving it to me and I used to look at it and go I can't play that <laughs> I, a, a very good example of that was I was doing a uh, a session for Jim Sullivan I don't know if you've heard of Jim Sullivan guitar player no he was one of the 
he was with Tom Jones, he was one of the top guys right. in the session scene. And uh, he gave me the part and I looked at it, I said, Jim, I can't, I can't read that. I said, I can't even I play that, I can't even read it. And he went, oh, well, come up and listen to the demo. I went up and listened to the demo, it was me on the demo. So that's the sort <laughs> of, that was the sort of, you know, thing that, the way things happened. So they transcribed your demo, yeah, that's what they I gave it back and go, give it back to me. Yeah, that's right. Well, yeah, back to, they'd written it down and all, look, what, I can't read that, I can't play that, and I might not read it. Yeah. You know, so that's how it's all. And then, of course, having got into the session bit, the more and more I learned to read better and better, you know, things. Mm. Because it's only, it's only like reading a book in the end, you know, you, you just read the, you read the word, you don't read each note individually, you know. Yeah. And so were some of these um, sessions uh, album recordings or were some just purely for well, singles? Well, or a lot, I mean, I did a lot of albums, loads of albums, you know. Yeah. But uh, the, the most of them at that time were singles. You go in there and do four titles yeah. in three hours, you know. I mean, I got booked at first. I got booked for a lot of covers, covering for groups. A lot of did stuff with the Kinks, the Bay City Rollers, people like that. Mm. Uh, only not whether the guy could play or couldn't play. Mm. It was just a fact we were quicker at it. You know, when when studio time was a lot, a lot of money. Yeah. And you know, you're talking about three or four hundred pound an hour at those days because they really laid it on, didn't they? Those yeah. days. And it's, I mean, I did a Kinks album called Kinks Controversy. Baby, I feel good From the moment I rise Feel good from morning To the end of the day To the end of the day You get 12 titles in three sessions. You know, you could... You could have been in there doing one title all day long because of you know think digital uh, now. Yeah, well, I mean, now they just if you make a mistake, they just oh hang on, we'll drop that in. In those days, it was a question of if you got it wrong, you did the whole thing again. You That's know? a waste of tape. Yeah, yeah, and exactly, and also you know you got a brass section sitting there going moaning at you, <laughs> lips, lips. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and you got to do it again, you know. Yeah. But that, that's the way, that's because the technology wasn't developed then to like it is today. Mm. You know, you can't drop, oh, uh, I'm Mr. Beat there, I'll drop that bit in, you know. doesn't yeah. happen then, or it didn't happen then, you know. Are there any um, sessions that really stick in your mind as just, you know, really rewarding times? I've, uh, I've, I don't know really, because... Uh, I suppose I was shaking all over, obviously, because it was my first one ever. Yeah. You know, yeah. and I still get, I still get bugged for that so drum fill in the middle of it. You know, which yeah. was a mistake, to be honest. I, you know, it was supposed to be one bar fill into the guitar solo. Yeah. And I started and I couldn't get out of it. Ended up with two bars, <laughs> and they said, "Well, no, 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 keep it in." So anyway, but um, I suppose Hurdy Gurdy Man, Donovan, yeah. Hurdy Gurdy Man. Yeah. <laughs>
because every, everybody thought at the time or, that it was John Bonham, John Paul Jones and uh, Jimmy Page, but it wasn't. It was uh, John Paul Jones on bass, himself mm -hmm. on drums, and a guy called Alan, Alan Parker on guitar, which right. has now been verified, you know. Yeah. Because there's this story about that uh, it was that the beginning of Zeppelin, but they were, they never started until two years later than that. So right, but they were uh, so John Paul Jones was a session. Yeah, he was the MD guy. on it. I mean, oh, I right. did a lot of work. I did I did loads of Lulu stuff when John Paul Jones was the the musical director on it. Right. Okay. Like, uh, her, uh, what was it? Um, well, I can't remember the title she did. Now. <laughs> um, so, I did whole album, and John was John did the uh, musical direction on it. Wow. And John Paul Jones. Well, I, we I was in the Lulu band with at the time with, with John, and he was the bass player. Right. Okay. You know, so Nicky Hopkins on piano, John Paul Jones on bass, and myself on drums, and and Alan Parker on guitar. You know, mm -hmm. but that was but uh, like John, and then of course John went on to uh, to go with Led Zeppelin, which I turned down. No. Well, it, I didn't really turn it down. What happened is I was, uh, Peter Grant rang me up and they said, I want to go out to lunch. I've got a project I want to put together. Mm. I think that Jimmy Page, who I knew very well anyway, mm. um, had recommended me for the band and said, get, you know, so I, I said, yeah, okay. But I never had a chance to go to lunch because I was doing three sessions a day. I never had time to have lunch. And it, you know, because mm. if I was finished this one, I was rushing off to do the next one. I mean, what a a hand rolling my hand or something, you know, yeah. and uh, so I never got to go to lunch with with uh, oh. Peter Grant, and I saw him uh, just after they got their first record in the charts. Yeah, I I saw him and I said, "Was it?" He went, "Yeah," and it, <laughs> but you know those things that, that happens, you know. Yeah, who knows? But yeah, so I I just thinking about it now because I I used to listen to um, Joe Cocker quite a lot, oh, and so yeah. Jimmy Page did did a lot with. With Joe Cocker, didn't he? And you did as well. Yeah. 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 Um. I remember. I remember the first time I ever worked with. Him. He came in with his. He had this Sheffield uh, gas board uniform on. Seriously, that's what he used to work for. Yeah. He worked for the Sheffield gas. Uh, Sheffield uh, City gas board, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. And uh, I couldn't believe it when he started singing. Oh. Yeah. It was sensational. Shame though. The way it went, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Well, unfortunately, it seems to have happened to a lot, doesn't it? You yeah. Know? Well, I I got a double. I say I got a double album. I took it from my mum and dad because they weren't <laughs> playing it enough. Yeah. And just remember <laughs> playing oh, this thing, and it was um, with a little help from my friends. Yeah. And yeah. That was right. Okay. Yeah, and uh, Marjorie. Yeah. And, except which I was on. sessions at uh, Olympic Studios they've done and I was working in Luton at Caesars Palace with, with Lulu right and I we never went on till sort of nearly midnight I'd finished 
I mean, it's unbelievable. I finished finished at ten o'clock in the studio, in Barnes, over South London, West Southwest London, mm. and I had to drive to Luton to be on stage with Lulu at eleven o'clock, and it was. <laughs> I mean, it was it was manic. So that um, recording of with a little help from my friends, um, was there a musical director on that? I'm just trying to think because it's such a radical departure no, from no, the original. Really, no, 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 not really. I mean, the drum parts then were really was sort of basic. You know, it was like uh, it was written out the, the basic patterns, and then it was you know. I mean, I mean, it was the whole whole thing with reading. It was a means to an end. You know, people yeah. they make oh, still we got to read. It, it was just a it, where everybody started together. Everybody, when they stopped together and whatever went in between, you sorted it out yourself. You know, I mean, mm. like George Martin said, oh, keep that in, drummer, that's great. You know, but the thing is, I never, you know, I wasn't, it wasn't written. It was just like the patterns were 12 bars here and then another 12 bars and whatever, and then get on with it, you know. Yeah. Uh, Devil Woman with Cliff. Mm-hmm. That was done. I did that, the, I, again, I did the demo for that with uh, Christine Sparkle and uh, Terry Britton. And then got, they got you back in. And, they, and uh, then Bruce Welsh, Welsh rang me up. Did you do it? Yeah. Can you come and do the master? Which that's what I did. You know. Yeah. Game with a hit. So. Yeah. That's the way things worked out. There was a lot of times that I did, you know, cut oh, uh, on the Lou Reed album I did. Oh, I played on all those, all the tracks on that. Which Lou Reed album? The was one that? with the Crown of Thorns on it. Just called, I don't know what it's called now. Right. It's got, oh, it's got loads of stuff on it. How, how was he to work with? He was fine. Yeah. He was fine. Yeah. I mean, I was, there was a there was a, <laughs> a number on it called the Ocean. Yeah. And I actually played Timps on it. I don't know how I got that. And I remember him saying to me, This is about, and I'd have been here all day and I was absolutely shattered. And he said, Hey, man, Claire, he said, I could, I could feel you, you feel in the sea and the, the thing, and, and all the, the, the picture of the ocean and all that. And I thought, No, all I want to do is get it I'm done and go home. <laughs> <laughs> that was my main Because a lot of the time you didn't even know who it was anyway. Yeah. I mean, like the stuff. Uh, I mean, I did Green Green Grass Home for Tom Jones. He wasn't even there at the time. Really, he dropped it in afterwards. Yeah, he it. a lot of the artists did then. Yeah. A lot of the union they they tried to stop it, which was stupid anyway. Because with modern technology, how can you? How can? How can I mean, I've I've been on sessions, looked in the box, and it's it's probably somebody's mate. Is singing to make you know, to make it legal to the union, mm. and then after you've gone, they get the guy in and do it, or the girl to come in and do it, you know, which yeah. was sensible anyway, you know. Mm. But I mean, that's just, 
And a lot of the time, I mean, a lot of those people I work with, they weren't who they were now. Yeah. You know, they weren't the big stars. Yeah. They are now, you know. But I, I mean, as far as Lou Reed's concerned, didn't have a lot to say really, you know, to us. He just were a nice one fellas and that was it really. Just got on with it. So you never do, sort of, you don't socialise with them really. Who wants to socialise with the stars anyway? No. <laughs> no, they're not as much fun, are they? Um, were there any um, sessions that you did where, when you, because obviously you've had, you've played on so many number ones, were there any where you found out they were at number one? What? Really? Uh, yeah. <laughs> 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 Save your love for me, Renny right. Overland. Yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> That's a big what that one, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I did the Wombles, but in fairness, I did all the Wombles stuff. But in fairness, I like some of the stuff that I did. Yeah, um, Mike I mean, Bat's a great writer. Yeah, and there's some great stuff on it. I mean, one of my favourites is uh, White Tie and Tails, which is a, like a jazz thing. stuff you've got to think crikey are you having a laugh I mean, you know mm. and then suddenly it's number one but you know that's what do I know you know yeah I'd be a millionaire if I knew on the flip side of that were there any when you're in session where you thought this is an absolute belter this is uh, yeah well, well not that I played on it but the thing is I remember I was I was doing a gig somewhere and um, Tom Jones and his manager, uh, Gordon Mills, walked into the cab. I know Gordon Mills I toured with him, mm. with the Larry Palm shows. He was with a, a group called the Viscounts. Right, they yeah. toured together with Larry Palm shows. And he said, yeah, <laughs> come and have a listen to this. He took me into the car and played me, uh, it's not unusual. And he said, what do you think? I said, if that's not a number one, I'll be very surprised. Yeah. You know? So that's about the only time that I would had any idea of being number one. Yeah. But uh, and other stuff that I think, oh, it's got to be a number one. And it then never sees the light of day, you know. Really? Um, uh, you worked with T-Rex? Yeah, I right? did, yeah, 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 yeah. How was that? I was Get It On and... Yeah, get a bit weird, because, I mean, I don't even remember it. Simon Napier said, "Yeah, you played on it." I went, "Oh, did I?" But that was that was the whole point. You didn't know what you was doing half the time. Mm. You know, what I mean, it was a thing there. Like we had the call of fixers. We used to ring you up, and say, "Are you available?" So and so and so. Yeah, can you do a session ten to one? Yeah, okay, or no? And you say who it's for, and I said, "Mind your own business." They wouldn't tell you. Right, just go along and play. Because yeah, yeah they wouldn't tell you who it was. Because I mean, I had it once one uh, time that I was told it wasn't I refused to work for him and I said I don't like the guy I, won't, I, don't, I don't want to work for him that was one person <laughs> are you going to tell me who it was a guy called right I see the yeah, name doesn't ring it was quite, huh? quite a well known but I worked for him once and I never worked for him again and then when they found out asked me to do a session I said no turn it down and then the, the girl said his secretary why not I said because I think he's a pig 
I said, he's very, very rude to musicians. I said, he's got no respect and I don't want to work for him. I mean, when I look back now, it could have been a number one. I could be getting money for him. But yeah. I couldn't, you know. But there's other people that I've, you know, that I've died to work with, you know. So who, who didn't you work with that you would have loved to have worked with? Um, going back, I don't know really. Um, I suppose, what's this, what's this guy? He's on television all the time now, the American. Uh, there's all that disco stuff. Oh God, what's his name? Nile Rogers? Nile Rogers, yeah, yeah. I would like to work for Nile Rogers. I think I, at that time, uh, when I was about, that sounds good, doesn't it? Mm. Uh, I think I worked for most most people. Then, like, I would, you know, most of sort of like George Martins and people like that. Mm. But uh, I mean, personally, never, you never had your sort of uh, thing with was really with the MDs, you know, you had a, a thing with the MDs, they liked you and you liked working for them. Or, you know, the MD mm. that you didn't like, or they didn't like you, you know. Yeah. But well, his stuff was, I mean, I photographed him last last year. He did a um, sort of Castlefield Bowl in the middle of Manchester. It's a great outdoor oh, kind of amphitheatre yeah. venue just by the canals. And he, he played and it was just hit after hit, you know, whether it was, well, whether Rogers, it was yeah, yeah, whether, whether yeah. it was chic or it was, yes, let's, that's right, yeah. let's dance, yeah, David exactly. Bowie, there was Madonna stuff yeah. in there, and, and yeah. he, he's just had his hands on all oh, manner of exactly. stuff. Exactly, and he's such a nice man. Yeah. You know, to dilute, which yeah. is nice, you know. Yeah. There's no sort of like moodies with him, you know, like some of them. No, he, see, he seems like a, like a lovely But show. I mean, I had, he had more of a rapport with the musical directors he worked with rather than the artist, you know. Mm. I mean, like Lulu, I, I worked with her band. I did lo loads of records with her and that, which is different. But most of the thing, like Tom Jones, I mean, I did stuff with him at uh, Decca. Mm. And, you know, it's hello. And I've, when I've seen him since he talks to you and all that. But, I mean, you don't get that rapport. Mm. I mean, with Cliff even, you know, I was a big Cliff band for two and a half years. Two years, was it? Two years? Probably two mm. years I was in Cliff's band. Ah, it's because of, of a Devil Woman. Yeah. Because uh, they did that, and they asked me, "Would I join the band?" You know, mm. but it's 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 a funny thing because a lot of the time they never told you what the even the songs were. Yeah, like title number one, title number two. I mean, save your love for me. I hadn't got a clue what it was. All I got that went in. You put title one, played it, and next thing it was number one. <laughs> I mean, that is, there's a lot of uh, thing about how many I played on. I honestly don't know, and I've never counted them, and I've never, I have never. I've never said that I played on this or that, you know. I mean, some of the stuff I have. I mean, some mm. of the stuff I'm glad I played on, like Everlasting Love. There was an example of guy, Mike Smith, not the one that was with the Dave Clark Five, mm. another Mike Smith, that I t who was a, a record producer. And I loved working for Mike because he had such a, 
a good time, you know, it was, he treated everybody so well, mm. bless him, he's unfortunately passed away, you know. Yeah. But the, that was the sort of, a lot of the time, I can't remember what I played on. So it's possible that you could have played on more, but you can't remember playing on them, yeah. Oh, well, I had a, a, an example of, um, I was doing the thing, uh, a guy asked me, he said, could you do me a favour? He said, my mate is having his 20th birthday party, and he, and he loves he loved Johnny Kidd and all that. Could you come and just say, come down to where his party and say hello to him because he'd love all that. I went, oh, right. so I went down there, and then the band that was on, they said to me, you know, you the band. I said, well, I've heard of the band. I think it was it Chicken and Chip or something like that. And he said, you know, you played on these the records. I said, no, did I? I don't don't remember. Honestly, do not remember. You know, when you you're doing you're doing twelve for twelve hours a day, different. And about on that, that you've done probably for 16, for 16 titles, mm. 16 songs. And that could have been spread between three could, different studios uh, as well. Yeah, it could, yeah, exactly. And it could have, well, it was, you know, mm. and it could have been spread between different different artists, even. Yeah. You know, you go on there, you might record two artists in one session. Yeah. You know, I mean, there's a lot of stuff I just don't remember. You know, I'm well, fortunate or unfortunately. A lot of stuff, unfortunately, because I I miss out on the PPL. But you know, is th so is that your responsibility, or is it not? Well, is no, that not the, well, it's the your record labels? It's your responsibility to to sort of prove it. I mean, there's stuff that I know that I play. Uh, to the example, is Paul Jones's uh, Nighttime Right Time was it when he left just after he left Manfred? Yeah. He had that number one, didn't he? Yeah. Well, I was on that, and I, I but I can't prove it. I've got no proof. I've told people I played on it. They said, well, have you got proof? Have you got, like, do you have got the MD saying that you played on it? Have you got... Yeah. This is the problem. I mean, even fairness to people, they've actually got in touch with me, said, we found out you played on this, this and that record, and you haven't claimed for it. So they are proactive as well. Sometimes, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I've, in some respects, they've been good like that. They've said to me, you, we've found titles that you've played on that you're not claiming for. Mm. Which I can't... I can't remember, you know. No, exactly. I mean, I said I was a musical navvy. That's what yeah. I did. Yeah. I went my records. Yeah. Thank God. <laughs> but I mean, instead of digging holes. Yeah. Did I see that you worked with Paul Weller? Yes. Um, was yes. was that No Tears to Cry? Yes. Yes. Do you like I that? I adore that song. Yes. Yeah, and what what I love about it is that it's got a real kind of wall of sound, Phil yes. Spector, kind of. Well, it's funny because he, he rang me up and said to me, did you play on, I forget the name of the record, what I played on, yeah, another one, started again. Did you play on such as, I went, yeah, and he said, oh, good, he said, because I want you to come and do a thing. And it, he wanted that sound, was on No Tears to Cry. Yeah. Because the one that he was copying, I played on. But I can't think of the name of the record. Was it a Phil Spector? No, no, it was, a, no, it was an English one. Oh, God. I can't remember the name, but I'll think of it in a minute. Was it Walker Brothers or? Yes, it was one what of was the Walker it? Brothers. Uh, that's right. I was just yes. racking my brain no, into yeah, a similar great. sound. It was a Walker Brothers thing, and he said, "Yeah, what? Yeah." He said, "Well, could you come and?" And it was great. And he was really nice. It's a great. I was only there for 35, 40 minutes. Really? Yeah. I mean, everything was done. I just had to overdub drums on top of it. Mm. But he said to me, "You know, uh, come and uh, could you?" I want the same sort of feel and sound that you get on that on that record, so I went, all right. The sun ain't gonna shine anymore. The moon ain't gonna rise in the sky. 
And he said to me, uh, well, he's nice, he maybe a cup of tea, gave me a donut. <laughs> you can't argue with that, can you? <laughs> <laughs> and a nice fat check. Yeah. <laughs> Just even better. Yeah, you know? exactly. If we'd have known in those days that you've got to prove what, you, you could have written it down in a diary, but I do it. All I've, I've got all my diaries, but the thing doesn't, it's where I've been working, but it doesn't say who for. Yeah, mm. and sometimes you wouldn't have known anyway. No, it wasn't, a lot of the time you didn't know who the artist was. I say like, save your love for me. It was only I found out like playing on it because the guy that produced it sent me a check for the video, and I went, "What's this for?" And he said, "Well, the record." He said, "You played me." Oh, did I? You know, mm. I was I wouldn't, I wouldn't even thought about it. Yeah, mm. absolutely. Because they're going there. I mean, the, the, the voices weren't even there. The, the two singers weren't even at the studio. You know, we just put the track down and, and go. Yeah. You know, and that happened quite a lot of times, you know. Yeah. You know, with then the technology coming in and starts, you know, it's, they could, could do tricks, which they couldn't do when the Wi-Fi started, you know. Mm. If you made a mistake, you did the whole thing again. Yeah. Um, so just, um, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to ask this, uh, similar questions to the, the, the questions that I'm asking all the other drummers, but I think your situation is kind of different because the majority of the drummers that I'm, I'm speaking to are associated with a particular band oh, or, yes. um, or for example Dana Flynn Glenny is one of them the, the percussionist uh, oh, I've, right. I've photographed her I've done what, her uh, Evelyn, Evelyn Lenny yes yeah. my grandson uh, oh, grandson. my nephew yeah. used to be a roadie oh really yeah Ray he used to roadie for her do all her gear for her wow She's amazing. Amazing, she, oh, absolutely amazing. But I, I went down to Cambridge to um, interview her first, and then went back again to to do her her photograph, and it was just next to her archive of percussion equipment from yeah, yeah. her tours around the world, and it was just vast. Oh, I know. Oh, oh yeah, it's incredible, isn't it? And she she had you know yeah. a whole rack from here to that wall of just practice yeah. pads. And yeah, then another oh, one of snares and yeah. another one of tongs. Well, she does it. I mean, amazing. She gets the vibrations through the floor mm. and that. You know, absolutely it's incredible. What she does. Well, I'll show you a, a rough yeah. edit of one of the yeah. images that I've done of her. But yes, yeah, so the, the majority of the drummers have have been associated with a with a, a particular band. Well, it I mean, I was I was associated. Obviously, I was with, with the with the tornado to talk with Johnny Kid and the Pirates. You know, yeah, so, but was that? Was that something that you kind of felt like you missed out on late, later on? Because obviously you started with that, but you were. You, you, you uh, yeah, I got to a stage when, when I was when I uh, sort of a period of uh, the 60s where I didn't do live gigs, which was a mistake. Right. You know, and then that's when I, I joined the Lulu band. Well, I went with Lulu because the thing is that was the mistake I made not playing live music. And then I went to different bands. I mean, I did the Kids from Fame tour. I did. Mm. Uh, Grace Kennedy, t and then I started doing televisions, the yeah. Benny Hill shows, and I did the, what's his name, <laughs> just like that. Oh right, yeah, yeah. Tommy Cooper. Tommy Cooper shows and other other television shows, and mm -hmm. live shows. You know, like with Michael Barrymore, I did a, a series of uh, Saturday night shows with him. Mm. You know, live television. That's yeah. when it sort of developed. But uh, the thing I made a mistake was not doing live gigs because that's where you. That's where you make a mistake on a live gig, who cares? Mm. You know, it's gone. 
the next time you do the next show, you don't try and do it right, you know. Yeah. But when you're on a session, you know, and you've got you a thirty-piece orchestra, and you goof up. Yeah. You know, and so most of the time you're playing within yourself. But yeah. Well, live gigs is where you push yourself, you know. Mm. But I, so that's what you felt you missed out on was that that element of spontaneity that yeah and, and it's I'll, not recorded it's just yeah, it's yeah. just for the people who are yeah. there and but I was never I was never sort of I never sort of had the, the thing in my mind that I missed out you know that I wanted to be a, in a star band that didn't then that never entered my head you know I just mm. wanted to be play drums you know yeah, yeah. I mean I was fortunate to play with two star bands I suppose you know mm. but that that wasn't my aim yeah you know I mean I wanted to be that's once I wanted to be a a reasonably successful session drummer, you know. Well, and, you've kind of written the book. Well, I've done a bit, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I've been lucky, you know. I was, I was the, I was there at the right time. I, I, there was nobody around at the time. All my peers at the time, when it all sort of happened, uh, were all big band big jazz band. players, yeah. you know. And uh, suddenly, this rock and roll hooligan came along, you know. Yeah. So I was lucky in that respect because that's what they wanted. Mm. You know, and also I was working with guys were my age as well, like the MDs, the writers, mm. were all my age as well. So we had this rapport, you know. Yeah. I mean, I've, I mean, I've, believe me, I've, I've, I've sat there shivering sometimes, you know, in fear. Yeah. What the hell have you given me here? What's this? You know? Yeah. I mean, a few of them, you know. Yeah. But that's part of your growing up as a musician, you know. Mm. I mean, all I can say, I mean, I've got to thank. Uh, the guys, I mean, the great musicians that I work with, crikey, you know. Mm. I mean, I'm, I remember one of the first time I'd never worked with a brass section ever in my life. And I walked into the studio and it was full. I mean, it was like wall-to-wall musicians. And what session was this for? I can't remember. But the night before, I'd been doing the Kinks album mm -hmm. in one studio. And then the next studio, the next day, it was in the big studio. And I'd moved my stuff from the small studio into the big studio. I thought, that's good. I'd just stroll in in the morning. I don't have to worry about setting up and all that. And I walked in, and I can't know. I noticed. I'm trying to think who it was. I remember the session. It was really early on in my session career, such as it is. Um, when I walked in, and the place was absolutely rammed. And I thought, what? I've never worked with it. And this was about, what, 67? Yeah, no, it was before that, yeah. Before, before that, about 60, 61, uh, 62, 63, something okay. like that. Uh, and, you know, I'm, but the thing is, it's, you, I've got, and, and I did it, and uh, I always remember the uh, the guy, the percussion player called Ala, Stan Barrett, was a percussion player. And we just had a couple of run-throughs, and he came up and said, oh, my name's Stan. I was like, oh, Clem Coutinho, how'd you do? He said, nice playing, son, nice playing. And I never forgot that, what he did. That really, I thought, oh, yeah. you know, and it's, it sort of settled me it's down. It's so you know? important. Oh, it was, I don't think enough of that goes on no. with musicians. I've got to be honest with you, I don't. Why not? Why not say, well, great, man, nice one. It's so easy to say as well. Is. And, and I, I suppose, on the other hand, they don't have to say it, but when they do, it's just well, of course, it, yeah. I it mean, makes such a difference. You know, when you've got people like I'm mean, standing, they're a brilliant percussion player, you know, and it comes out, I'm as a sort of like raggedy, bummed uh, drummer, you know, and mm. comes up and says, well, nice playing, very nice. Yeah. Oh, well, thank you, you know, and uh, I could have played anything after that. Yeah. 
And I always vowed that if I was in the same position, I'd do the same position. I'd do the same thing. Do anybody that came that was a fresh face, you know. Yeah. But I was only mentioned it the other day. So I'll never forget when I had the first time I worked with you, and you came up and said, "I said, well, that's what happened to me, you know." And it, it settled me down, made me feel a lot of. I was a, you know, the. I when I first started doing sessions, I wouldn't even tell people I was with the tornadoes. Really? Be, yeah, because I thought they would look down on me. Uh, do you know? You know, I know it sounds yeah. stupid. No, I don't. No, but the stupid part about it, they all knew. <laughs> anyway, so it didn't make any difference. So you're just doing this internal yeah. conversation in your the, head. I on. think, like, you know, I demean it. Not that I was demeaning the band, but you know, I think, oh, this guy, what does he know? You know, it was some pop group. You know. Mm. I mean, when all my peers came from big bands, you know, that was the thing. Well, yeah, so it's the kind of upstart yes, genre. Exactly. And yes. when jazz has been established for, <sighs> you know, 40 years yes. already yeah, that's right. in the 50s. Yeah. Who, you know. Where you come from? You yeah. Know? When it was, all, especially at the time, had all these, these anti sort of like articles about rock and roll and all the jazz guys all moaning about rock and rollers and the music was this and the music was that and you know which you know you, I mean I think I think music fans can be quite um, well, I don't mean political but they can be no, quite right. you know when when you get the cries of Judas when oh. when Dylan goes electric and you know all he's done is plug his guitar in yeah you know there's no yeah. <laughs> I did um, who the guy that did the streets of London uh, Ralph McTell. I did a, an album with Ralph <coughs> McTell, which again he wouldn't release it because the thing is, it it, it was uh, it was musicians on it, like a full orchestra, and he wouldn't release it. I think it had been released now, yeah. but it wasn't released at the time because it, he was frightened of his about his people, exactly what you're saying. The folkies, Jesus. yeah, folkies. Yeah, you know? I mean, come oh, on. Yeah, and then you, you know? get it. You get it with individual genres as well. So you, you get um, your trads. Jazzers who oh, will yes. not have oh. any truck with you know a bit of Miles Davis oh, or yeah or exactly I mean what the hell <laughs> you know people say what music do you like good yeah full stop yeah, yeah. it's good I like I don't I mean I'm not not too enamoured with the way stuff is about at the moment but because you know a lot of it is is to me is is a uh, is machine music I call it mm. you know uh, I, I think I'm, <laughs> I mean it sounds stupid but one of the things I always remember. When I was at my mum was quite religious to take her to church, mm. and I used to get bored. And what I used to do, I used to sit there with my watch, and I'd try and count off one minute. I'd go one, and then leave it like that, and see see how close I was. To, yeah. Well, I was to, to counting to sixty yeah. seconds, and I think it's probably it's probably a bit of training without realising it. Yeah, you know? absolutely. I remember doing some sessions for a an, a, an a Canadian thing. And he said to me, "You count then." And it, I, we did about ten takes. And he said, "I wasn't even uh, my counting in was like a millisecond of difference between each each counting that I did." Yeah. So uh, maybe that maybe it was. I used to sit there. I go, I'm getting bored. I go, I go right, one, two, three, <laughs> and see how close the sixty seconds I got. No, I think I might have done that as well, to be honest. That's, yeah, that, that rings a bell. It's like that thing, in um, which apparently is a, 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 a drumming tuition method, and it's that, that game in, um, I'm sorry, I haven't a clue, where oh, they, yeah. where they oh, yes. stop the music yes. and then see it oh, yeah, and go yeah. back in. Yes. But apparently yeah. it's it, it's started to become quite a 
a recognised really? method of teaching. Oh yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure that it kind is. Of internal metronome. Metronome, yeah. I mean that's, but uh, my style, I've, I don't know. I really don't know. I don't know. feel basically. I'll, yeah. You know, I mean, that's what I've. I suppose I was known for was I had a reasonably good feel, you know, mm. and good time. Um, I, another question I forgot to ask earlier on was: um, so you mentioned that you um, you were kind of reading up on uh, using the Buddy Rich. Yeah, the Buddy um, Rich structure. So, yeah. Yeah. So, um, who else would you say was an influence on? On your drumming, certainly in the in the early well, it doesn't have to be in the early days. It could no, be later on. Nobody really. I mean, that's the silly part. I never really listened to. I never really listened to anybody. I just mm. listened to records and yeah. whatever was was being played and what was on the record sort of influenced me in one way or another. I suppose, mm. even if I didn't realise it, you know. Yeah. I mean, I. I think my biggest influence working with Johnny Kidd. Which was a, you know it was a, a rock and roll band and that and it was good, it was a good band actually in fairness mm. and I think that and then doing all the stuff which I did in the sixties the sixties yeah was it yeah end of the fifties with the people like Billy Fury Marty Wilde and all those sort of people. The, but did you say it was a Beach Beat Boys Beat Boys the, no, and then it became uh, it became the Blue Flames right which okay. is another story which <laughs> I've, uh, should, I, should, should I tell him no yeah <laughs> well <laughs> I'm going. I'm going to <laughs> anyway. I'm going to anyway. Why? I think it's funny. We were, we were in Scotland doing a tour, uh, Hogmanay, yeah. in Scotland, and it was absolutely freezing. We're in the van, and we were think, getting cold, and the ice was inside, and we started passing wind and lighting them. <laughs> and I don't know if you know, but they're actually blue flame. I've never tried it myself, but I've heard. Right, it's, okay. a, it's a blue flame. Because it's only methane, isn't it, basically? Yeah. And that's how we've got to, the, the beef here in the blue flames. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> it's in the book, but she said, <coughs> she said I should put, yeah, it's a part of it, wasn't it? The hell, you know. Yeah. But, but no, it was, um, I think it's the influence of working with those sort of guys. Because when we were playing that sort of American music, if you like, you know, and I think that's really. That's still really new then as well. So well, yeah, exactly. We're pioneers, of, if you yeah. like. You know, we. I mean, I remember meeting Max Weinberg. You right. Know, uh, the the boss name's drummer. Um, the, the boss. The boss. <laughs> what's his name? Bruce Springsteen. Bruce Springsteen. Yeah. He rang me up. He wanted to meet me, and I met him. And he knew more about me than I did. And, and the the thing is, the the hell, that's not just me. I'm talking about British musicians. Mm. In high esteem, how we took their music and made something of it, and then imported it back again. I mean, yeah, yeah. Exactly, you know. Yeah, I mean, I didn't even know till the other day that "Shake It All Over" was was a hit in America. Yeah, yeah, I didn't know that. Um, well, it was one of the first singles I I bought a, a, an old um, what are they called radiograms, okay. this beautiful radiogram, and realised that I. I didn't have well hardly had any um, seven inches to play on it. Yeah. It was one of these ones where you could load them up. And oh then yeah, play yeah, one the, after yeah, that's right. Yeah, automatic, It was a yeah. lovely Marconi yeah. thing, and yeah. I, I was gutted that I had to get rid of it. But it was either him or my son, so <laughs> yeah. I kept yeah. kept my son. son yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, one of the first ones was um, shaking yeah, all right, over. Yeah. I wanted it. I, I didn't want to get too many kind of 
you know, new modern records. I wanted yeah. to get some that were yeah, 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 no, proper I mean, to, yeah. the, to the, the period of the, the radiogram. So I got that. I got a load of kink stuff. Yeah. Um, so yeah, unbeknownst to me, I, I may well have bought several reviews singles. Well, if the yeah, I mean, uh, the the album that I did was called Kinks Controversy. Yeah. This one that's you know we did it three three sessions. And the page uh, I opened up there. Yeah. So working with Ray Davis was quite a trial. It could be, it was, could be a trial, yeah. yeah. But I mean, I'll be, well, but funny enough, we're great mates, Ray and myself. You know, yeah. I mean, I, I remember I was at a football match and he was up in the director's box as they are. You know, I I was down below. Yeah. And uh, one of my mates brought him down because he wanted to come meet, come to see me. You know, we we came down, actually came down from the director's box to see me. We had a good chat with Ray, you know. I got on, I got on white with me. Maybe he he could have been a, yeah, he mellowed now. Well, sir, remember, sir. Oh yeah, sorry, sir Ray Davis. Mm. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> Bend the knee, yeah. But so no, he was fine. He was. Yeah, we had some photographs, uh, photographs taken with him and all that, you know. Mm. Selfies. Self, yeah. <laughs> See, I I never take selfies, but I have <laughs> done with the the people I'm interviewing for. Uh, for this drumming project, so um, oh. I apologise in advance. I no, will, I will no, take that's one. Okay, no, no. But um, I mean, the thing is, I always remember. I don't. Did you ever seen the Buddy Rich thing I got up there? No, what am I looking? Who are they? Next to the photograph. The glass. The glass thing. This one here. Yeah. Mm. Wow. Wow. Yeah, that's oh, it was uh, it was at the Palladium. Yeah, I had to play with the Buddy Rich Band. Wow, and me a rock and roller with a Buddy Rich Band. That's good, isn't it? Yeah, who was it? It was Rick Buckler who was telling me about the first gig he ever went to see was um, Buddy Rich, right, and he said yeah. um, that because of the way Buddy Rich was hunched over yeah. his, I mean, yeah, his yeah. posture was appalling. Yeah, wasn't mine's it? appalling. Yeah, oh yeah. But if you see Rick Buckler playing with the jam, his he's straight up and down, and yes. that's because he saw Buddy Rich well, yes. and said, "I'm I'm not going to end up like him." Well, I was warned, but I always remember when I said about I had first reading lessons, and Andy White said to me, "If you keep sitting like the way you're sitting, you're going to have a bad back." And I tell you what, he's right. Yeah. But that's the way I've, you know. I mean, another thing, you know, you've got the kit there and you've got the music there. And so you're always around this way. It's like my yeah. physio said, it weren't, you weren't made to sit like that, you know. Yeah. You don't put that, and then you're, of course, constantly looking that way, mm. to looking at the music. You know? Yeah. But you're right. Um, last question. I've, I'm asking this to, to everyone, and it's, um, so you've, you've just bought yourself a, a nice time machine, and you can go back in time and meet yourself and <laughs> give yourself either a bit of advice or a bit of encouragement, or or say don't do this, or what would the best bit of advice, well, encouragement? A, a few bits of advice. Mm. One is I should I didn't enjoy what I was doing as much as I should have done, only because it was pressure that you're under. Mm. Secondly, I uh, I should have maybe realised I, I was better than I thought I was. And self-confidence, mm. you know, not not overconfident. You've got to have confidence in what you're doing. I mean, I because I had no technique. I never, as such, I, I was never. Well, well, what can I say? I never thought that was good enough to 
to, to do what I was doing. Mm. But I mean, I suppose I must have been because I got I carry on. I, I never got found out anyway for fifty years, so I was all right. Yeah. But and also is uh, to listen to every type type of music. Listen to what the other guys in the band are playing. Mm. Listen and play the song because that is most important. They're not about technique. What's technique? You know, you can sit there. And, I mean, I know people uh, technique. They can't even play four in a bar. Mm. But that's another bit of technique. Another thing is time. Listen, you know, and you've got to listen to what other people are playing next to you. you yeah. Know? So really, that's you know. But then also, if you think somebody's good, and you you appreciate what it, tell them. What, you know, why not? Yeah. You know, why not tell them? You know, we all need wherever you are, how big you are, how small. You know, we all need a little lift. Yeah. From somebody, you know, just to, to say you're good, or you, you know. I mean, I, I had odd times. I mean, yeah, I mean, I made them, made uh, And uh, just as far as reading's concerned, you've got to treat reading as a means to an end. It's not the end. Mm. I mean, I know a guy who could read, see a load of birds on her telegraph or only play it. You know, that's how good a reader he is. Yeah. But at the end of the day, that's not, it's, it's a means to it. It's not the end. It, you know, it means something, but not to that degree. You know? Yeah. Well, that's absolutely wonderful. Thank you so much You're for your time. You're very welcome. No problem. Quivers down the backbone. Clem Catini there, what a guy. Uh, thanks very much to Clem for agreeing that I could put this interview out. Um, you'll have noticed that there was a beep around 40 minutes in. Um, we just thought it was best to hide the identity of the songwriter that Clem had refused to work with basically because that songwriter is still alive and also, you know, it's it's a bit unseemly for an 82-year-old man to start picking fights. Um, so we thought, yeah, that's just dignity, always dignity. So there were loads of things that I didn't speak to Clem about and I actually spoke to him yesterday about setting up a second chat to talk about some of the other recordings that he played on, about his time working as session drummer on Top of the Pops in the late 70s, early 80s, where he worked with the likes of Michael Jackson and Stevie Wonder, Gladys Knight, you name it. So it didn't even touch that, didn't even mention that. So, yeah, hopefully we can catch up again soon and um, and, and chat chat some more. Thanks again to Clem for, for chatting, and I will see you next week with another interview from Flash Bang Wallop. See you later. Bye.